Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're answering the question, why you want insurance? And this is part three in a three-part series on protection, and we're going to specifically be talking about today how it costs more to self-insure. We're your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. Welcome, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. How are you? I am great. It is great to be here talking about another fabulous topic with you. Yes. um, Self-insurance is something you hear a lot from clients, and they don't even think think through it, I don't think. they, it's something that they hear um, from other advisors. They hear it from their their people that they they trust, like their parents or siblings. They hear it from the media, and this whole idea is that you get insurances. You, you try to get the max. Well, this is what you try to do with everything in your life. You try to get the maximum uh, value out of something for the the cheapest price. That's the true free mm-hmm. market. The, the true free market thing. And so people think that anytime they're paying for something uh, that they're actually, and they're not using it, which that often is the case from the insurance itself, they feel like they're not getting any value out of it. But as we can, as we've talked about in previous episodes, the, the, the certainty of the insurance allows you to thrive in other areas. And that is why we need to really turn over the idea of insurance to people that specialize in it instead of saying, oh, well, I'm just going to self-insure eventually when I when I get my all my assets to a certain point. Well, the, we, we don't specialize in our daily lives in how to um, mitigate risk. So we should turn over the people um, to the people that actually specialize in that. That's excellent and really great perspective on kind of where our perspective of insurance comes from and how sometimes we have these thoughts and feelings about pieces of our financial life without necessarily realizing how that impacts our whole personal economy. So as we're coming into this discussion, let's kind of zoom out for a moment and look at the big picture of your wealth. In your personal economy or in your cash flow creation system, you have the foundation of a mindset of abundance. On top of that, we want to build this layer of protection, which includes insurance, as well as things like your legal planning or estate planning for your family and business legal planning in your business. That is going to protect your personal economy. On top of that, we want to become as efficient as possible so that we are keeping as many of the dollars that flow into our hands as possible. That's things like having a cash flow awareness and making sure we're plugging money leaks and not paying too much in taxes and insurance or and interest. We're also then turning all of our as much of our money as possible into creating cash flow. So we want to have this perspective of how do we invest for cash flow so that we can increase the money that's flowing into our personal economy. And then again, applying that abundance applying the protection to that, keeping as much of that as possible, and then turning it into more cash flow again. So this system in your life is this process of how to keep in control as much of your money as possible. 
So what we want to do today is really zoom in again on that protection element where we've covered first in why you want insurance part one, we talked about the function of insurance and how it transfers risk. So you're taking the burden of risk, the financial burden of risk off of yourself should a bad event occur and putting that on the insurance company. You do pay a premium for them to enter into that contract. Then in why you want insurance part two, we discussed how insurance protects your greatest asset and how your one greatest asset is yourself. You are the source of all of your income, all of your assets and your cash flow, and we want to protect that to the utmost. So today we're answering, is the cost of insurance really worth it? So we're going to weigh the costs and the opportunity cost to determine how expensive insuring or not insuring really is. So as we start off this conversation, I would ask you to consider this question. If insurance was free, how much of it would you get? I mean, I I would definitely want as much as I could get, especially if it didn't cost me anything, because the principle of insurance is that I'm giving up that responsibility, the financial weight of responsibility should something bad occur. Yeah, this is a great question. And and I've read different versions of this uh, over the course of my career where, you know, for example, you might you might have a client tell you that he what his perceived uh, insurance needs are. Let's say it's a, a life insurance need. And, um, but if he knew that he was going to die next week, you know, the, the, his needs would be really irrelevant because now it's not, right. it's not about the need. It's about, well, I'm going to die next, uh, next week. So this is how much I want. How much can I actually get? Well, how much he could get if he, well, obviously he couldn't, he could not qualify or she could not qualify if there was an obvious reason why they're dying. Um, right. But since he's, they know they're dying next week, the only uh, right amount for them would be their actual human life value, the maximum. So it's 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 kind of interesting that people use a needs analysis uh, to determine insurance needs, whether it's your house, your car, uh, your uh, protecting property, your business, your life. But if they knew a loss was going to occur, they would actually do a maximum need. Uh, And that's something I don't think people think about. No, and I really appreciate you bringing that up because I think we really want to create what we want to happen in our life, not just the minimum possible, but we really want to create this life for ourselves and our family and our loved ones, regardless of whether we are here to help them see it through or not. And so when we look at protection, it really is something about what you want to create. It's not just something you have to do. It's something we want to do. You know, so, Rachel, when you think about this, and, and I'm glad you said that, because when people say their need, that's a specific goal they're trying to achieve. And, yes, and, absolutely. And people always say to me, I, especially I have some business coaches, they say, what are your goals for 2018? And I say, well, if you're going to make me state some goals, I'll state them. But I think goals are limiting. And so, mm-hmm. and so when you ask a person, how much do you want in retirement? And they say, well, I want a hundred thousand dollars a year or how much life insurance do you want? Or how much do you want your house protected for? You're stating a goal, but why, right. but why wouldn't you live your life to say, I just want to structure my life where I have the maximum that I can possibly have in my life. 
whether it's the maximum you want for whatever that so-called cash flow is for for your uh, while you're working. And if you choose to retire, then why wouldn't you just say, I want the maximum I could possibly have? Um, same, Absolutely. Same way with, you know, house and your homeowner's insurance or your car insurance or your life insurance or your business insurance. Why are you trying to limit what you can have by stating a goal, which is in, in all intensive purposes, a, uh, a need analysis? I completely agree. And I couldn't, I couldn't say that any better. I really think that when we focus on what we want, we maximize and we get as much as possible as opposed to say, well, here's my goal. That's a million dollars. Well, what if your possibility, what if your capability was to produce 250 million? Why would you limit yourself to the need of 1 million? And I, I, so, I've seen this, I've seen this in, um, when I used to be uh, an athletic coach, you know, uh, we would have golfers that would work real hard because they wanted to break uh, 40 for nine holes. And then they would break 40 for nine holes and then they would stop practicing the same amount that they were practicing because they had they had set a goal and they had hit it. And the goal wasn't mm -hmm. the maximum or how good they could get the maximum way. It was just a certain goal. So I do think goals are limiting. And that's that's a concept that a lot of people really don't think about because they always hear about goal setting. You got to set goals. But once you hit a goal, I know in the financial services industry, we, we have we have guys in our own firm at E3 Wealth, they'll say, okay, this year I want to hit this uh, amount of clients. And even if it's not, even if it's not um, a, a number target, you know, a, a money target, they just want to sit down with so many clients. Well, I've noticed these guys, oh, look, I've, I'm 15 clients ahead of the quarter. Well, they slow down because they're like, okay, I'm way ahead of my target, so I don't have to work as hard. I'm going to take this Friday off. I'm going to take next Monday off. And so it's sure. Yeah. It's so it's very limiting. I, I just find it very fascinating the science of how people behave and how they make decisions. I I completely agree. And so as we kind of bring that back into insurance, then if we remove the idea of cost from it, how much would we get as much as possible? As there's no limit or there's no specific goal to say, well, I only want insurance for a million dollars of insurance. We want as much insurance as we can get. And so the thing is that the cost is the limitation for us, the problem. So what we want to do is we want to get as much insurance as possible, but we want to pay as little as possible for it. So we want to answer these questions today. Why protect my money when I could just make more instead? Is the cost really worth it? And with limited resources, how do I prioritize paying for protection? Now, this limited resources question is something that's probably on your mind regardless of how much you make. Because I've seen people with $500,000 a year that they're making an income still feel like they have limited resources and that they don't want to prioritize paying for protection because there's other things that they want their money to be doing. And so in any position, whatever your income is, there's that part of us that doesn't understand how to weigh the cost and opportunity cost of paying for insurance and finding out, is it really worth it to have part of our money paying for protection? So let's dive into this. In the last couple episodes, we talked about the some of the reasons why you want insurance. And today we're going to jump into reasons 8, 9, 10, and 11. So reason number eight is that it costs more to self-insure. So let's talk about what, in, what self-insurance 
really is. Bruce, you kind of brought something up at the forefront where this is the idea that we don't really need insurance and we can just pay for the cost of anything bad that were to happen out of our own pool of resources. And what typically can happen is this idea that I need insurance during my earning years. And then after that, I'll have enough in assets that I don't need insurance anymore. And if something bad were to happen, I have enough net worth built up that I can just use that instead. And so I don't have to pay for the insurance. So let's kind of work through this so we can help you understand what is actually happening behind that conversation. So Bruce, there's a lot of times that people will say, well, insurance is a necessary evil. I just want to have as little as possible. And the thinking is that I get that enough money at some point in my future, I'm not going to need insurance anymore. But Bruce, would you say that, is there ever a time that we don't have human life value? No, because uh, we are always, we are always able to produce as a human, you're going to bring value. And, and even if you stop, even if you stop what I would consider a traditional job and you get into uh typical retirement where you want to live off your assets, assets that you've established, you still have intellectual property that is not only important for your individual or immediate family, but it is important for your extended family. I, this, happens, this happened to me this, this week. You know, I had a sub, couple of uh, my uh, nephews and, and nieces and godchildren, you know, call me and say, hey, um, I have to do my taxes. Can you help me with this? So, mm -hmm. so that's an extended family. So my intellectual uh, capability and my intellectual property that, that I've accumulated over the years and then also the resources that I have to understand and, and get help with, with taxes I can do simple tax returns and have those people check them. And then so that that uh, that allows them to maximize their their re, their refunds. And it also, you know, I don't I don't charge them for that. So it's another way that they can reallocate resources uh, into other things in their lives. So just, just because we are retired, a lot of people say, well, I just need term insurance until I have enough money to produce you know, the kind of uh, income I want. And once I get to that that number, then I can drop my term insurance and I don't need it anymore. Um, so that's, you always have human life value. You always have the ability. Exa another example would be, um, I just had a 74-year-old guy that um, did very, very well that uh, I play golf with, had to quit our country club because after the first of the year, he decided that uh, he was going to do some things in the stock market. And I and he didn't tell me the whole thing, but um, that were very detrimental to his overall plan for retirement. So at 74, he had to leave the club because things had happened. Now, I hope he didn't give up his life insurance because now he's going to have to go back to work to, to mm. produce some more income to then live out the rest of his life. So, you know, it's, it's life gets in the way. I tell this to clients all the time. I said, have you ever noticed that life gets in the way? And and a hundred percent of the time, Rachel, people say that they say, yeah, we, we, oh, we never know what's going to happen. So if you never know what's happened, even when you get to that accumulation number, that, that goal number, and you want, why would you then say, well, 
my human life value is not at risk anymore. Right. So let's walk through this even at, in more depth. So if we're in a position where we are self-insuring, what that essentially is doing is we, we're saying that we don't have any insurance, which means that we are bearing the full responsibility of any financial event in our life. So if I were to self-insure in my auto insurance, that would mean I don't have auto insurance and I'm going to pay for any accident that were to happen out of my pool of assets. If I have no life insurance, if something were to happen in my life and I pass away, my assets or my savings account, my stock accounts, those will pay for my beneficiaries, my family to be able to continue on their lifestyle. And so this idea of self-insurance really means you have no insurance in that specific Correct. area. So, so you're assuming all of the risk. And I want to say something really specific here. Having a lot of money does not protect you from losing that money. No, that's a, that's an example Having, of the guy I just talked about. <laughs> right. Right. He might've had, I don't know his financial situation, but you could have a million dollars of assets built up and then you drop the insurance because you don't feel like you need it anymore, that does not prevent you from having to use that million dollars of assets in a situation where you're self-insuring and you are paying for the financial responsibility. So there's actually even more at stake that can be lost with the greater net worth that you have built up. So I want to say having a lot of money to replace things does not transfer risk. Let's talk about what the opportunity cost of not having insurance is. So Bruce, in a situation where you said, I'm not going to have, let's take an example like fire insurance for a house. If you were to choose not to have insurance for your home, what would be the opportunity cost of that? What would we have to think about and pay for if we did not transfer well, that you, risk? You, you may say to yourself, um, well, I, I shouldn't have any electricity in my house or I may not, I shouldn't have any fireplaces. So you're trying to limit, you know, the possibility of a fire. You might have to, you might say, well, I'm just going to pay a, a, you know, fireman to stand guard and equipment, additional equipment on my property in case there were, there were some particular uh, incident. And then you have to buy, you have to pay for a construction company to rebuild. So you have to set aside money for the full cost of the new house. So you also, you know, you, many people would say, I can't put that money at risk because I, I need that. So they're putting it into a bucket. Uh, it, it ties your assets up then so that you're because you're setting it aside for only unknown things. This is um, this is analogous <clears throat> to what people often argue, Rachel, they say, but that money, I could be used for something else. So they feel like there's an opportunity cost that's lost for paying for insurance. Like if I if I didn't if I didn't right. have to pay for that insurance over there, I could be using this money for something else. Well, we could do that with everything in our life. I I saw a speaker, and this isn't my thoughts. Um, I stole this from somebody, but I thought it was great. He says opportunity costs are all around you. You ought to sell your house and live in a tent because the the money that you're spending to to live in a house you could use for something else, and you just live in a tent. You ought to sell your car and just walk or ride a bike. Uh, you should you should not buy food. You should grow all your food. Um, you should not cut your not not spend the money to get your grass cut or the on the lawnmower. You should just buy a goat and just let the goat kid uh, <laughs> your grass. <laughs> so everything we do has opportunity costs that we have to evaluate. 
And when you look at it, though, at, at those things, uh, opportunity costs are all around you. Then what you're, you're really doing is making a value judgment of whether that opportunity cost is important from you, for you. But what, what you real, what you don't realize is that the opportunity cost of not having the protection, not having the comfort, not not putting all your eggs in a, into a, a, a basket that allows you then to rebuild that particular home or repurchase that car or repurchase the uh, uh, the cash flow from a loss of a life, that is also an opportunity cost loss. Oh, absolutely. I really like how you, you shared that idea about all of the costs that we have in our life because everything, yes, is an opportunity cost. We need to decide what is worth it for us to pay for. And so when we're looking at insurance, if you have insurance protection in your life, that creates this peace of mind and freedom, this ability for you then to be in a state of confidence, knowing that you're not going to have this tremendous loss financially, which then allows you to be your most creative self and produce up to your potential. And so if we don't have the correct insurance, we lose that, which then means I'm not at peace in my mind, knowing that I have this possibility of loss. I have this possibility that a disability could cause me to lose the lifestyle I'm creating. I have a possibility that the loss of my car or my home could cause me to lose assets that I'm creating and building. And because of that, we have this limitation and we're not able to live up to our full potential and we're not able to produce at our maximum. And so that is another tremendous cost. It's an intangible cost, but it's something that's really important for us to recognize that we limit our ability to produce value in the lives of others when we're not properly insured. So on the other side, it's it would be unfair to talk about the opportunity cost of not having insurance without talking about the opportunity cost of having insurance. So if the cost of you to have it, the cost of having insurance. Now, the premiums are the portion of money that you pay to the insurance company so that you can bind the contract. They agree to pay for your risk, you agree to continue to pay them premium. That premium is much less than the cost of employing in the case of home insurance. It's less than employing a fire crew and construction crew to watch over your house 24-7 in case something bad were to happen. So why? Now, the insurance company is more effective at managing risk than individuals because they're able to spread out the risk over a pool of people and they have actuarial data that helps them make the right determination so that they can effectively manage that risk and you can take that off your shoulders. That is what, Bruce, you were talking about earlier in the conversation about put, putting this in the hands of yes. professionals that are able to handle that risk more appropriately than one individual person. So you also, Bruce, talked about a moment ago how when you have money set aside and you don't have insurance, that ties up your assets and you can't use that for something else. So the number nine reason why you want insurance is that self-insurance creates stagnant assets. So let's talk through a brief financial example on this. So you would need to keep cash on hand equivalent to the value of all of the assets that you're insuring. And I'll walk through this real real quickly. And then Bruce, I want to um, get your feedback and, and thoughts on that as well. So let's just say we had two people. One, well, they both have a million dollar home that's completely paid off. They have a $10,000 per year homeowner's insurance premium, and they have a million dollars in cash 
both exact same situation. Person one decides, I don't want to pay $10,000 a year for insurance. I'm going to self-insure and I'm going to save that $10,000 instead. So now they are at risk of losing their home. So they're not paying the homeowner's insurance. They're saying, if something were to happen, I'm going to self-insure. So because of that, they have to set their million dollars in a position where they know they can always access it and they can't use it to its fullest capability. So they're going to maybe say, put that million dollars of cash into a CD. They're going to need to have that on hand to be able to access if something were to happen to the house. Say they earn 2%. Now that's a pretty Mm -hmm. generous interest rate, but say they're earning 2%. They're going to earn about 20,000 a year on that million dollars. And their total cash flow now is the $10,000 a year that they saved by not having insurance. So they're not paying that. They're getting that back. Plus they're making 20,000 a year on the million dollars in a CD at 2%. So their total cash flow is 30,000 a year. The other person says, you know, I do value insurance. I'm going to keep this insurance. I'm not going to get rid of it. And I'm going to keep paying this insurance. So their cost is 10,000 more than person A. Person B has the $10,000 insurance cost. Now, because the insurance is going to handle the risk if anything were to happen to their house, they can free up this million dollars of assets that they have, the cash. And if they use that to buy rental properties with a 10% net return, they're going to turn that million dollars into $100,000 of cash per year. So if we look at their full financial picture now, Again, a fairly simplified example, but they're making $100,000 a year of income, plus they're paying, or minus, they're paying $10,000 in homeowner's insurance. That's $90,000 a year of cash flow. So the person who kept the insurance has $90,000 a year in cash flow. The person who self-insured had $30,000 a year in Mm -hmm. cash flow. And that's kind of the difference in the mindset of what happens when we tie up those assets because we're self-insuring, we need to keep them close to the belt, accessible, and we're not able to really use them to their fullest potential. Yeah, you said it, it comes down to mindset because some people are going to look at the first example and say, well, Rachel, I only need the $30,000 a year in cash flow. So that's all I need. So once again, we're getting to an, a person with a mindset or scarcity mindset. That's all I need. The mm-hmm. second person who now says, oh, if I if I transfer this risk to somebody that's really good at doing it, an insurance company, then I can try to use my cash to maximize whatever kind of cash flow I can produce in my life. So um, that's I think that's a just it's a difference in mindset. Absolutely. And it absolutely does come back to goals, which can mm-hmm. be that limit that you're talking about earlier versus how much can I possibly Mm -hmm. do? And I would like to share a quote by Garrett Gunderson here. And he says, insurance gives us a permission slip to utilize all of our assets. It unlocks the productive potential of our assets because when properly insured, we are free to utilize them without fear of loss. And I think that really nicely encapsulates that idea that when we are not self-insured, when we have chosen to have the insurance protection, we're now in a position where we can utilize the rest of our assets to their maximum capability. So 
Bruce, do you want to share what yeah. number 10, the 10th yeah, reason um, is? I think when we're talking about number 10, protection is one of your good expenses. That's a mindset thing. Um, because most of the time people think protection is a bad expense and you hear, you hear it with clients all the time. So as you spend money, you think, um, about whether you have to spend it or not, or whether you spend it for enjoyment, you know, you, you have to pay tax taxes, you have to buy food, basic needs, um, or one thing, but, but there's also other things that are really reasons to spend money. you you're consumptive, you're productive, you're protect, you're protective, you're destructive. So like a consumptive situation is what are you using this money for your lifestyle? It's neither good nor bad. It's just based on a value system. And that's kind of what I was saying earlier about, you know, uh, you, you, you have a house instead of living in a tent, you have a car instead of a bike, uh, you have a, you have a lawnmower instead of uh, buying a goat. So these are just things that these are just things that are consumptive. You, you've, it's not good or bad. It's just what you de- you determine to be good. Uh, you, you have productive um, expenses that help you make money. You know, example, like um, whatever we spend on our business, we believe it's going to help us make more money for our business. Then you have protective money, which is the cost of insurance and, and uh, legal protection. And then destructive money which is uh, money that a lot of people would call uh, consumptive because it's lifestyle, but destructive money is, are, is bad habits and wasteful spending. Um, there are also other things that are analogous to protecting yourself like uh, insurance and legal protection. Like I have a pool, so we have a fence around our property so that uh, we're protecting ourselves from needing even more insurance and also needing more legal uh, protective. While some people may believe that's not thinking about something bad happening is an abundance mindset, but really when you free yourself up, that is where the positivity comes. And so you do have true abundance in that reason. So protection from negative circumstances gives you a true abundant mindset, I believe. I agree. And I would jump into then number 11. And this is the 11th reason why you want insurance. Again, not why you need insurance or why someone else thinks you should have it, but why you want insurance. And that it's easier to keep what you have than it is to make more. So think about this for a moment. If you could prevent yourself from going backwards, maybe this is a race or maybe it's in your financial life. And, and I know Bruce, you've brought this question up to clients many times before, but it's this idea that would you rather make sure that you have no loss or that you don't miss a gain? And I think for the most part, all of us have this desire to not lose something. If we knew that just what we have, we could keep and we have the possibility to move forward, that's really exciting. But if we don't know that even just what we have today is secure, that creates this insecurity and lack of confidence for us. And it's very disarming. It's very alarming in our financial life to have this fear of loss. I want to help you understand this idea of prioritizing spending money on insurance. And there's this story of the rancher that we have in the Wealth Acceleration Program curriculum, and I want to share this with you. So the cattle rancher said he could not afford to build a fence. And the pioneer told him, pay the boys to build you a fence, pay in cattle, 
to be able to protect your cattle. So he's being told, give up some of what you have, give up some of your assets to protect the rest of your assets. And this rancher is saying, you know, I, I can't afford to do that. I want to keep all of the cows. So the rancher didn't understand the pioneer's wisdom. Without a fence to guard and protect the cattle, the rancher's cows wandered off and got lost. After rounding up what he could, with some having died, some having been stolen, some unable to be found, he only had 25% of his cattle left. He not only lost his cattle, but also his peace of mind. If he had sold half of his cattle to pay for building a fence for the other half, he would have had twice as many cattle as he ended up with by not being able to afford to build the fence. So the whole idea of this is that it's really valuable to say a portion of the income that I earn is designated to be spent on protective expenses. This is the idea of building a fence around your wealth system, around your personal economy. Spending to put that in place then allows you to be secure that the rest of what you're keeping is going to be there for you and you're not going to slip backwards or have that loss and you're not going to end up in a situation where all of it vanishes or evaporates out of your hands. Garrett Gunderson has a quote about that as well, and he says, We have been given stewardship over our human life value, our families, our material possessions, and all of the people that we have the ability to impact. Utilizing insurance properly is one of the most important ways we can fulfill, protect, and increase the value we deliver to others in any possible case. So in conclusion, I would say yes, the cost of insurance is absolutely worth it. The intangibles, the productive capability and capacity you have far outweigh that cost. It's more expensive to self-insure. It creates stagnant assets and insurance premiums are a protective expense that allow you to make more and it's easier to keep what you have than it is to make more. So Bruce, I want to share again that question that you asked at the beginning and it's that if you knew that the event you're insuring against would happen today, how much protection would you get? Yes. Uh, people, that they should just ask themselves that question. And I believe if you're being honest with yourself, you would just say, well, how much can I have? And not how much do I need? I absolutely agree. And if you've recognized the opportunity to shore up your protection, please reach out to us for a free financial picture consultation. If you'd like to evaluate your personal economy and find out where you have the opportunity to become more efficient and plug the leaks so that you can keep more of your money, be able to protect yourself, your cash flow, and your wealth, and turn your cash into cash flow, you can request a free financial picture consultation. And what we'll do is we'll help you to discover dollars that are flowing out of your control, strategize ways to get more of those dollars flowing back into your control so that you can retain and utilize more of your money and have more to pass on to future generations. Email us at hello at the money advantage to request that financial picture consultation or to share your questions, comments, and feedback with us. You can get the show notes and the videos for this episode at themoneyadvantage.com. And thank you to our listeners. Up next, we're going to be discussing what protections are important and why, and how to make sure you get the most insurance for the least cost. Remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. 
To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.